to another edition, episode four of Our Brooklyn Bites. Yep, we're back. And what do you have going on this weekend? Uh, let's see. I'm going to talk about a couple of things that uh, we found this week, or I found this week. Really? If uh, Maybe you have some stuff you found, too. I don't know. Um, but I guess the first thing I had to deal with was I had some credit at Best Buy. Uh, occasionally they send us these reward coupons for buying other things. And then we got to figure out what to do with this free money they're giving us. Usually it's like five bucks, like a $5 rewards. And then I had an extra one. So I had really $10 in credit. Um, and you know, I did the, 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 you know, the typical kind of thing. You go to Best Buy, you look around, you see what's on sale this week or what can I possibly spend this on? And, um, you know, we always have these fall bl- these fallback plans. If there's nothing obvious to buy, then you maybe you roll it into, um, you know, either like um, like a, one of those uh, time cards or credit cards or pre pre purchased cards, and you know you convert the fake money into <laughs> more fake money, but of a different kind, right? Um, and uh, I ended up having having to choose between either a, a Steam card. Or an iTunes card. Right? Uh-huh. And, uh... Attention builds. Yeah, well, I mean, I had to figure out, like, what do I get? Because you, you have to look at the, the nominations they have also, right? Because iTunes, <laughs> I think the smallest one was 15 bucks. Okay. And then Steam, the smallest one, is 20 But I feel like I could make more use of the Steam credit. Only because the stuff tends to cost more. Mm-hmm. You know, iTunes purchases are usually pretty small for me. There's the exceptions, right? But usually I like to wait for something to be like 99 cents or $2 or something like that. Yeah. Um, So I figured putting $20 into my Steam wallet was probably a better investment. So really the $20 credit cost me 10. Uh, It was basically half off. So that's not too bad. I think that was pretty cool. So that would be on top of the already great savings you get when you buy on Steam. Yeah, well, yeah. Because you always look out for those bundles. And, and deals and super sales. Um, I mean, there's certain exceptions here and there. Um, but I think, you know, usually 75% off on a title is like my, my trigger mm-hmm. for Steam sales. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was one item I picked up. So I picked up a Steam $20 gift card. Good. Which I'll put to good use. I was going to say, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, my other item that I picked up was when I was last in digital press Mm -hmm. and that's the D2K arcade. Nice. Uh, in television game. And this is by Electro Knight, as you can see. Uh, so it's basically a, a, a homebrew port of, of uh, Donkey Kong or at least a Donkey Kong inspired game. Right. Mm hmm. You know, they're, they're not officially calling it Donkey Kong. So it's not actually Donkey Kong. It's is it just so it's based on like the level. Like if you had a level editor for Donkey Kong, this would what the game would be like. Um, well, almost I guess. I mean, basically, it has the arcade original in it, mm-hmm. and then it has another game with an additional five levels. I think I played this in 2010. Yeah, Classic Gaming Expo. Yeah, this isn't new. This has been around a couple of years, actually. I think. Maybe the 2012 Expo. Oh, okay. They had a table. 2012. Yeah. And I've been meaning to get this for a while, and I kept kind of putting it off. But um, 
now that I see that, I don't know, I, there haven't been any great deals on it, I figured mm-hmm. let me just let me just wait for a sale on a homebrew game. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's a game that's somehow stayed available, so I figured, well, maybe there's a chance there could be some kind of sure. some kind of break somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Electronite doesn't seem like that that happens too often with their games. Uh, now, is that the game that they said might be getting pulled or or um, like they have a cease and desist on that or not really i okay. don't i don't really know i think i think there was some confusion about because what they do with this is they also offer um they also offer it as a as a downloadable rom but it's not for free it's usually it's a commercial rom mm-hmm. and they uh were offering it as a limited time thing i think that was end it was what was ending Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know so how you many. You can't buy the ROM anymore. Um, not as a download. I think that's. Hmm. And I don't know when that was supposed to end. Sometime this summer, I had heard. So that's weird. Why would you limit a consumable like that, like a, a digital download? I mean, that's something that. I think this is made under some kind of a deal. Oh, okay. Um, Maybe that makes sense. They have a certain pro- like a programmer that works on this, and then they manufacture the game for them, mm-hmm. and then it reverts back to them after a certain time. I think that's kind of what went down, but couldn't say for sure. Um, so this was another item that I've been meaning to get. Cool. Um, let's see. I had another item. I had one more thing that I ended up buying, which is more of a, a new game. For the PS3. Wow. I picked up uh, a Persona 4 Ooh. Arena Ultimax. That's the fighter, right? This is a fighter. Nice. This is a 2D fighter uh, based in, you know, Persona characters. Um, and apparently it continues the story of the game, too, in some ways. Uh, I'm not a huge Persona 4 or P4 Arena player. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason I got this and the reason I kind of jumped on it was because uh, they offered some some pre-order bonuses, uh, which I'm kind of a sucker for sometimes. But I have to say, I'm not entirely happy with the way it turned out. Really? Well, so uh, so like I said, I'm not a huge fan of of the fighting series per, mm-hmm. per se. I mean, it looks good, but you know, that's not the reason I got it. I mean, I, I kind of wanted it because it came with with a set of uh, tarot cards. Oh, all right. And that was one of the pre-order bonus items. Okay. And this is one half of the set. And the other half of the set is going to come out with Persona Q, which Mm. is an upcoming 3DS game. So if I wanted to complete the card set, I I had to get both games. That's crappy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, these are the kind of extras they mm-hmm. they concoct. They come up with these schemes to get you to buy their games. So wait a minute. So this, first of all, the Persona game here, right? This isn't this the didn't they already release the fighting game based on Persona Four? Or well, that was the first P Four Arena now game, this, and this is Ultimax. This is is uh, it the same se- game? It's Just, a sequel. Oh, it is a true sequel. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's the next game. And so these tarot cards are shrink-wrapped. Yeah, I didn't open them yet. Which is kind of a bummer, too, because you can't even... Well, you can if you want. I know, then you break the wrap. Well, so here, well, that's part of my gripe. The collector <laughs> inside of you wants to open it up. <laughs> now, the other item it came with is it came up with it came oh. with this little uh, blow-up... Um, that looks like Optimus Prime's shorts. It, it's the right color scheme, right? <laughs> yeah. It's red and blue with it's some a, silver trim. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, Wait, what is this? So this is a character from Persona. This oh, it's is, a blow-up doll. It's a little, it's a little blow-up. Okay. <laughs> uh, like a punching Things bag doll. Okay. Like uh, you know, one of those, those uh, mm-hmm. punching bag things. But but my gripe is with the with the outer casing. Now this is this is the box that it came in, which oh, is really weird. it's really just half a shell of half a box. A sleeve, yeah. So I mean, it's like I kind of want to keep it because it has the the artwork from the back of the box on it. But it just kind of came all mashed together. Yeah, that's really in this sleeve, and then and then this was just what? shrink wrapped like this. Well, it was it was like this on that's the that's lazy. It's on the outside where the game was mm-hmm. the artwork was kind of like this. That's so awful. You, so you saw the the spine and the the cover art like that, and then that was the back of it or whatever. I'm really surprised. And when you open it all up, this is what you're left with. Man, so this is kind of a. Underwhelming kind of packaging for the pre-order bonus items. It I is. thought I thought it would come with like a more solid, sturdy uh, kind of a you know like Usually a, a Atlas slip case or something. D- they do. They have like nice little packages. Right. This looks really like put together hastily and yeah. yeah as you can see, it's it's all split apart and there's I mean, really the, there's really nothing holding it together once you take it out of the wrap. I like the quality seal that they put on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, not much fun. Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a bummer. Not I fun think. to look at, but it doesn't give me high hopes for the the, the second game no. or the next game coming out with you know that has the other card set with it. A lot of cost cutting going on. Apparently so. I guess this is. Um, Did they sell that game at a, at a cheaper price? Maybe than uh, no, previous? you know, and that's the thing. Uh, I think the previous game was probably forty nine dollars at launch, and this one's a full fifty nine dollars. Hmm. For a PS3 game, it's also on 360, by the way. But, but yeah, I wasn't expecting to see a price hike along with that as mm-hmm. well. But you know, I guess if I want my bonus, my bonus items, I gotta, I gotta just suck it up. Yeah, and well, you can always buy them secondhand too, like on eBay or something. But I guess I mean. The, I never quite know with limited editions and bonus items and stuff like that. Like, mm. do you, does it, is it, cause you know, it's an Atlas game, like you said. Mm-hmm. So is it one of these things where it's going to become hard to find low print run? Maybe it's not that many out there. Maybe, you know, you know, the people that really want it are the ones that bought it and they're not likely to, to sell it or resell it later. Right. Yeah. So you always have to weigh that, you know, what's the collectability of this game going to be? Do I pay full retail or wait, wait for a sale or, you know, do I just jump in and get it so I don't miss out? So those are the things you got to weigh. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much what I picked up. Anything new on your end? For things that I've picked up, not a whole lot. I've been doing some downloads. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I... I I check the Ouya every just about every week, and I'm not. I can't even go into detail. I pretty much download everything mm-hmm. because there's a lot of free downloads. Yeah, but for actual games that I played, um, Dub Wars finally came out of beta. I think mm-hmm. so. Dub Wars was uh, one of the founding uh, members of Ouya, or like one of the founding like games. It was. I think it was an exclusive originally, so it was kind of like a key game for them in the beginning. What would you What would you compare that game to? Dub Wars would be like, um, it kind of sort of like a Robotron game, like an overhead shooter, mm-hmm. but to familiar with Robotron. You, you've heard of it, right? <laughs> yeah, Robotron, sure. Twenty eighty four, maybe. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So it's um, like that style, 
and but it has you're playing in the rhythm of the music, which is dub music, dubstep. Mm-hmm. So, so you have these like dub, dubstep music, and you don't actually shoot, but the music shoots for you. So, um, it's I mean you can probably look up some YouTube videos how it works, and you know when you hear like the grinding sounds, a laser beam will come out, and in the rhythm of um, you know when it pulsates the music, then you hear like you see little lasers, and it's cool. It's a dual spec shooter. So for a while, um, it's over a year. Mm-hmm. It's been in beta, mm-hmm. and they really haven't updated it at all. So I finally saw an update posted on the Uya Uya store, and um, I downloaded it, picked it up, and so I have mixed feelings about it because I was really looking forward to this game because I love rhythm games. I love it's like a combination of everything I love. The music's good, rhythm's good, and I like shooters. So um, it turns out. The game is good, but it is not... The Ouya just can't keep up with it. It just can't handle... Is it a, is it a timing issue, do you think? Or is it just... Um, just graphics. It just it gets so choppy, and, uh-huh. and the this frame is, rate drops so much. And this is problematic, because it's kind of a music rhythm element to it, it right? It, um, it kind of is, yeah. So, you know, it, it has elements of, like, the bullet hell style of, mm-hmm. like, you know, a hundred enemies on the screen at once. Yeah. And you can't shoot. So you're relying on the rhythm of the sound of when you, you should time your direction of your bullet. Mm. And if you drop a, a couple of frames and you're moving, it's kind of hard to plan out right. where you're going. And like, you know, you're moving and the next thing you know, you're on top of an enemy because you overcompensated for the, the frame drops. So, um, unfortunately that takes away the experience of the game. Hmm. Besides that, and which is like kind of a deal breaker, I think for most people, I, I still like it. Like yeah. I still think it's cool. And you know, the Ouya, uh, the great thing about it is the game is will run on future hardware. So if and it's Android based, so if they ever, you know, if I load up maybe the Ouya store on the Mojo, Dub Wars might run fine on that, mm-hmm. or on some other platform in the future. Hmm. So I'm not really counting that game out yet. I'll definitely revisit it. Um, There's like only four stages, and you basically play for about like three minutes, and then you know whatever your score is after the three minutes, that's that's the score. Right. So yeah, it depends on where the problem is. It depends if it's a hardware issue or if it's yeah lack of performance on on the machine it's running on or if it's it's, uh, yeah. It's I'm not sure. Yeah. Hopefully um, there'll be a hopefully it I think it's on Steam too. So if you do have Steam and want to try it there, mm-hmm. you might have a better experience mm. using it. But the other game I picked up was uh, I mentioned it last time I believe it was Never Ending Nightmares. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And this game I've heard of this? You've heard of it? Yeah. Well, this is another one that was in beta mm-hmm. and that finally came out. And um, it was so this is a Kickstarter game. From the guy who made, uh, let me think, I don't, do you know what it's called? So the programmer was involved with another game that kind of didn't sell too well, mm-hmm. or not to his expectations. So he went back and, and came up with this idea, which is a black and white, hand-drawn style um, horror game. Mm-hmm. It's side-scrolling, very little action. I-, I described it to a friend as... Not so much a game, but a experience. Uh-huh. Sort of like the PT demo in PlayStation 4. Right. And I enjoyed it. It's not as long as maybe you might want a game of that style to be. 
But uh, it's about like four to six hours, I would say. That's pretty good. And there's multiple endings, so you know you can replay certain stages to go into, you know, a different path, and uh, it's cool. It's very cool. Hmm. Uh, The guy put a lot of work into it. You can tell everything's hand drawn and animated. And well, yeah, it looked it looked like an interesting art style. Yeah, I like that those type of games. But if you're looking for action or like something really deep, yeah, you may not find it. But if you just want like a good, like sort of capture the feeling of you know creepiness and <laughs> I don't know, it's worth definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that's what some people want out of a game. They want a good meaty chunk of game. They don't want something that goes on for hours and hours. Yeah, overstays its its purpose. You know, mm-hmm. you just kind of get in, experience it, and then you know. As a good solid uh, wrap up to it. Yep, that's cool. Yeah, so that was pretty much my pickups for the week. All right. <laughs> um, I guess the other thing I could bring up is that uh, New York Comic Con was this past weekend. New York Comic Con. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's probably it's at this point. I guess it's the second largest uh, uh, Comic Con or big big event comic related convention. In, yeah. Um, is it that in large? The US. Now, yeah. yeah, I think they said they 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 hit those kind of numbers at this point. Hmm. Um, I don't know if programming wise they quite match up to San Diego Comic Con, which is the, the really the king of the hill and has been for for quite some time. Um, San Diego just has this width and breadth and depthness to it that you know, like it's just I don't know. I don't know if it's hard to match. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because it's in the summer and it's also on the West Coast where a lot of entertainment is you know kind of worked on directly so a lot of those people can just show up there unexpected um but new york comic-con is still a pretty solid event for for those of us who are local to it and um i'm, I'm sure people travel from all over to come just to this show too uh and as you know uh these comic cons are not strictly comics it's a lot of uh related types things so so you know sci-fi and fantasy and you know tv series of that type and and some some movies as well and 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 gaming and so on mm-hmm. um yeah. so yeah i mean there was some there was some gaming there not as much as previous years uh, i thought i would see a little more actually um i was a little disappointed in the, in <laughs> really the, yeah i mean it wasn't really that much to see. I mean, like, the big booths were pretty much... Uh, Namco Bandai was there. Um, I wasn't expecting too much from them. They they did have a, a new t- a Tales game that they were showing off that's coming out on... Tales? The, yeah, like the Tales of Destiny, Tales oh, of Rebirth. I was thinking, like, Sonic the Hedgehog Tales. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could... See, I could see how you could make that mistake. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty generic word. But Tales. that's what they're calling all their games. They all start with tales of something. Oh, okay. Kind of like the Candy Crush saga, and <laughs> I guess so. I guess saga. You have to and candy and, and candy. Yeah, yeah okay. That's the word they've latched onto. Um, yeah, they they had a lot of their usual other things. They had they, they had some Digimon game. Nothing that I was interested in. They did have the latest Pac Man and the Ghostly Adventures game. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it uh, it looked pretty simple. It looked, it looked like the a Pac-Man. 3D, yeah, it looked mm-hmm. like a 3D action platformer type game. Um, I only looked at it for about you know two three minutes. I just, yeah. Somebody else was playing, and I just wanted to see what it looked like. Um, it looked a little different from the first really? game. Did it really? Well, the character design looked different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just a, a, like kind of a bouncing 
Pac-Man looking blob. You do play as around. no, that's in the first game. Is it really? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, I thought I was I was expecting something more with arms and legs. Um, usually, but there is one because you it's kind of sort of like Mega Man. Mm-hmm. You can take the forms of different Pac-Man characters uh-huh. as you absorb their power. So one of them is you bounce around like a rubber ball, uh-huh. and you don't have arms or legs. That's what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one where like he loses his arms and legs, and he's like a giant rock with hmm. the Pac-Man face on it. Uh huh. And he rolls around, and he has a big nose, but when he rolls towards his face, the nose, like, gets pushed in. <laughs> and then when he, like, is facing upward again, like, the nose comes out. It's funny. Mm. You, so you, you finished the first game? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to play it. It's a new Pac-Man game. I know. I can't call myself a Pac-Man fan and not mm-hmm. play every... If you don't fully check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I'm not proud of it, but... Um, well... I, I, I moved over to the Capcom booth after that, and wow, um, they had a booth. They actually had a booth. Huh? They had a they had a store. They had a, a store where they were kind of selling what? some of their stuff out of. Could they possibly be showing? Well, they had Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. They had like oh, is that the new one for the DS? Uh, the new DS. I'm not sure if it's if it was on the DS or if it's on something else. Okay. I didn't pay too close attention, actually. I saw that they had a a big uh, signing going on there. I think Mm. the director of the series was was signing for fans, and it was kind of a big crowd, so I couldn't really hang around too much. Uh, They had had a new Phoenix Wright game coming out. Well, that one was for 3DS. It's Phoenix Wright Trilogy. It's a remake of the previous games. Oh, all right. Didn't know they were making that. Yeah, I I, I saw some art from that game, and it looked... um, Looks like they had to reformat it a bit for the the, the DS screens. Hmm. It was um, yeah, because the first one was on regular DS, right? And then uh, yeah, although the series DS goes back further than that, I think. I think they were even, GBA. Games. GBA, really? Yeah. Hmm. Um. So they did have to like zoom in on the artwork and rework some of it. And interesting. Yeah. Um. There were a couple of items that I saw in their store though that looked kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> They had a really, really nice Resident Evil, like, Umbrella Corp watch. Like, a really, really, really high-quality-looking watch. Um, but it didn't have the digital crown, so you didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying a watch without a digital crown from now on. I can't. I, is, is that going to be the new standard? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I guess so. That's what we've been told. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. So what about this watch? Well, it just it just looked very very nicely built. It was mm-hmm. looked, you look at one of those. Um, I mean, it was two hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. So I, I I mean I guess you, you better have a digital crown. You'll spend at least that much for a good quality watch, but I just you know Damn. didn't want to didn't want to dive into that. So what made it special though? Did it have the insignia of well yeah um, umbrella corp? Or? Yeah, it did. It did. It, okay. it had it had an umbrella corp uh, logo on. Sometimes the, on you the see these watches, it. and all it is is like. They substitute the graphic with the faces, and that's about it. It's mm-hmm. still your typical. It was pretty small, but it looked it looked you know like well done. It wasn't like enormous. It was just like a tiny little. You know what I wish feature. it would have been like the old Game and Watch watches <laughs> that you can play Resident Evil on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Resident Evil everywhere you go. That would have been cool. I can't. I can't imagine that that would be, uh, would be... an immersive and satisfying experience. Mm, not. If you can just move left and right, <laughs> you yeah, have to, you have to catch the falling alien, I guess. That's what the crown would be used for to yeah. adjust. Um, they also had a, a, a Street Fighter versus Tekken, or or X Tekken, or Cross Tekken, however you say that. 
uh, they had the fighting stick, um, this typical Mad Cat's controller that, that, okay. that they use for all the Capcom fighters. But mm-hmm. it had the, you know, the, the artwork for that game. They were on selling it. that. They were selling that for seventy dollars, which is pretty cheap. That's good. It's a good. Yeah. it's a good discount on a stick of that quality. Some of those sticks go up to like one hundred and fifty. Yeah, for the pros. Sticks. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they, it looks like they sold out on the first day. So, well, that's pretty crappy. Yeah, Do they not know they were going to be <laughs> in a city with over like one million people like alone in that area. Yeah, I guess they. Come on. Well, I mean, their goal was to sell, so I guess they did sell. Um, oh, the other game they were showing was uh, uh, Resident Evil Revelations Two. Oh yeah, I heard some decent yeah, things about that's, that. That's coming also. Cool. What's that for? Is that PS4 um, and Xbox One? I'm 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 not sure if they're going they're going they're making the jump to current gen. Mm. I think they might have it might have still been under development for the previous generation. Right. Um, now, did they mention the new movie, the final chapter, and nothing? No mention of that or the TV show that is rumored. No. Nope. Okay. Nothing. Nothing of no major announcements. Just okay. Not that I was aware of, yeah. Um, hmm. I know Square Enix was there, uh, but I think they—I think they weren't showing any games. I think they were just showing their their toy merchandise. <laughs> they had the—they have their um, their play arts uh, uh, label where they make like high quality action figures and based stuff. on Final Fantasy. <laughs> Among other things, I mean, apparently a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, they license other other properties too. Really? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's funny because I looked for coverage online for Comic Con and I saw the toy lineup and I did not see a whole lot because they're, you know, some of the toy sites I look at feature like video game related toys and yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. I was kind of expecting more like video game related action figures, right? But it didn't seem like it. Yeah, it's um, it was surprising the kind of stuff they had. I mean, there were there were some here and there. You kind of had to know where to look. Mm. It wasn't like there was one big pavilion. I mean, they did have um, this one area called the block, which is where all the indie, like garage kit and vinyl figure makers were. Okay, they were like, you know, a lot of a lot of like small scale manufacturing was in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some cool things there, uh, but nothing. I didn't come away with anything. Uh, the only thing I did end up buying at the show was um, uh, a rechargeable battery from what from Mimobot. <laughs> so you go to this big convention, and that is your favorite. Oh, you brought it with you. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. So here it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Huh. So this is um, this is called uh, the Mimobot Power Up uh, or uh, Power Tube. Uh, so it's like basically it's just a rechargeable yeah, battery for your, for, your, yeah. for your cell phone. It has a USB port on it. So you see these it. things all over the place by registers and stores and stuff. Yeah. But this one's cool because it has the Pac-Man kind of artwork on it. Sort right. Of like, sort of like copied from Pac-Man. Yeah. So you, so you have like a, a, a green maze with mm-hmm. uh, Pac-Man looking ghosts and fruits and other gaming related power-ups. So you see something here that looks kind of like a Starman from... For uh-huh. Mario, you have like a Pokemon we'll kind of a thing. We'll show this on, on our video. We, we yeah. release some videos. You got the Konami code here. You've got a Triforce. So yeah, some some Galaga ships. So I could be wrong, but this looks like the one you wanted to buy at PAX. Yeah, we had seen one at PAX East. And it looked it just looked like, like this the same pattern. Graphic, yeah. And and it was limited for that show, and they had sold out. I mean, I, I think we looked at it for like a 
couple of minutes and we said, all right, I'll come back. And then it was gone when we, when we yeah, went back. Was... And, um, but then I saw this at this show and the difference is that this maze is green. The one they had at PAX I think it was blue, yeah. was blue. Um, so not a, not a big difference for me. I think I just, I just wanted this, this graphic yeah, on it's it. Cool. So I like the look of it. Um, this, those, this also comes with a cable that has a removable tips. You can, Oh, really? So, you know, you can have micro USB, full-size USB, lightning, 30-pin Apple connector. It comes with lightning? Yeah. It oh, comes nice. with all different style Yeah, usually those third-party chargers don't work well with Apple products. Yeah. Pretty neat. Well, so I just... That was my only uh, pick-up or take-away from the show. <laughs> um, Great. There were other uh, vendors there, like a lot of the usual faces, mm-hmm. some of the usual stores, uh, l- some of the local stores in New York. Video Games in New York was there, uh, mm. 8-Bit and Up. Okay. Um, you know, I, their stores are easy to get to, so I usually don't. All right, now, now let's be honest. I have a question for you. Uh-huh. What did you go cosplayed as? <laughs> uh, well, ha- Halloween on, is this month. the pictures don't lie, so... so I, well, I, I'm going to wait. I'm waiting for Halloween. I did not cosplay for really? the show. Yeah. I can't believe it. I know. I'm not a cosplayer, though. I know. I don't make costumes. But it's Comic-Con. Isn't that kind of a requirement to get in at this point? For some. It's not... Well, you think they screen? They yeah. Only, they only yeah, it's like at the door, there's a guy there. No, as long as you buy a badge, Females, they went in. in, but the guys, you know, unless you're cosplaying, you're not allowed in. Nah. I think they just they just want you to buy a ticket. If you, if you buy a ticket, then they have to let you it's in. It's that easy. Uh, that's all it comes down to. So that was... Yeah, how did you get a ticket? Did you have a friend or someone? Connections? Uh, no, my sister. My oh, sister okay. bought them, like, months ago, and I was able to, to go with her. Well, yeah, I don't know. I know you go to Comic-Con and stuff. I, I never had... I, w- I went there once, and I was kind of bored. I'd, yeah. I'm not into comic books that much. And I know there's, like, other stuff there, but it just didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's become you know a, a bit of a media circus. There's a lot mm. of things going on, so there's there is probably something very, there for most. I people. feel like it's very com- kind of like consumerism. Like the moment I walk in, I feel like it's just boots that want to sell me stuff. <laughs> there's areas that that are selling for sure. You know, definitely that's that's what they're there for. But yeah. but there's just there's some booths that are just you know exhibits that you can just look at. Um, and that's just the expo floor. There's obviously a lot of panels and What's Q and A's and discussions and reveals of various TV shows and things. I didn't get to go to any of those just because I was only there for one day, and okay. I kind of wanted to see everything on the floor. That was like my priority for going. Um, plus, you know, to get into any of those those other rooms, you have to. There's usually a line. There's usually a wait involved. So you'll spend half your time on a line, and then the other half of time, like hopefully getting in if the room doesn't fill up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt my time was better spent just looking around and, and checking out the booths at the, on the floor. Cool. Yeah. So that's my Comic-Con report. Wow. <laughs> Good thing you were on duty to report back to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not as exciting. But, you know, it's it depends on what you want to see there, too. Sure. Now, I know we've got some other stuff to talk about today. I think on our last episode, we talked a bit about the uh, our, our, our top ten games or our top... The mighty top ten. Our, the, of the, all Half time. of our top ten. Half of our top... So our, so, that, yeah. So, so our lower five... And our Facebook top ten. Right. Games of all time. And now this is the upper five. Well, this is in no particular order, right? Um, For me, anyway. Yeah. I just... 
Mm-hmm. For me, they're roughly in in ascending order. Okay. More or less. So what do you think? Should we talk about the the final five? Um, yeah. Yeah, why not? Might okay. as well round that out. Now, are we allowed to make any changes from last week or we're stuck with these choices? <laughs> I don't think you can go back and change them. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So who starts? What do you um, think? I, I got the good ones to talk about, so I can go first. All right. And you I might think as well. this one is going to be something you like. And I'm going with... Are you ready? Knock it out. Robotron 2084. Wow. So... My top 10. I'm not surprised, because this game is also in my top. Yeah? This is this is, in, this is one of my top picks We've as well. We've been known to have some high-score competitions. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you typically win. Is that really fair to say? The initials don't lie. <laughs> well, every time I turn on my... <laughs> My meme and see, you know, your ACE initials on Robotron. Mm-hmm. Those aren't my actual initials, but... Well, but, Robotron, but that's what I put up when I, when I play a game. Yeah, my, my blood boils a little bit out of anger and disgust. I'm hoping I'm inspiring you <laughs> to fire up those, those competitive juices and, and, and try to take it down. It does. I think that's what it takes sometimes. Mm-hmm. You need you need uh, you need a target. You need a goal. Yeah. Uh, so what is it about Robotron? Why, do, why does why does Robotron appeal to you? Uh, not to to beat it like a you know to the ground, but it's just the sound, the simplicity of it, and and like all the Williams games back then, they just have a nice feel to them. They control well. They're they're designed in a way where you know arcade games were made to for you to spend a quarter and for your quarter to last just enough where you feel mm-hmm. like you got your quarter's worth, but not enough where you're not playing for like an hour, you know, and you know, it's, you want other people to play too in the arcade. So, um, it, they just found the right balance for me on that game. And it, it's definitely hard. It's a little harder than a lot of other arcade games, but, uh, I like the challenge. I like the skill involved. I like the, the sound effects. Just, I can't say that enough is so classic. I agree. And everything about I don't know, it's got that psychedelicness of it, of, like, flashing lights, and mm-hmm. I love the dual-stick design. Yeah, that kind of spawned a genre of it, game, it did. I would say. Yep. That's that's pretty much, uh, you know, the twin-stick shooter, where one stick controls your movement, the other stick controls your directional fi- uh, yep. fire. Um, now, as I, as I understand it, that game started as sort of uh, sort of their take on Berserk. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. I heard. I've heard the designer uh, Eugene Jarvis talk about this. He said, like, you know, he was a. He, I think, um, he uh, was either frustrated or I know he was in some kind of a, some kind of a, a accident at the time where he kind of wasn't able to easily use his his right hand. So he he devised the twin stick firing arrangement to make it easier for him to be able to grip hmm. it. Uh, but. There were tons, you know, like Smash TV came after that, and Total Carnage, and, and yeah, and it spawned like you know, you, you, you dozens Geometry dozens. Wars. Always, mm-hmm. uh, it's designed to that sure. too. So definitely, uh, it's it's established as a style of game uh, of that point. Um, yeah, it's something I can still go back to anytime and mm-hmm. play it. And I, I really, I really like how the game is structured too, with the different wave structure. Mm-hmm. Where you know you kind of it kind of starts off easy with the first one just to give you a taste, and then the second one it kind of amps up the the challenge a bit, 
Um, but then by the third wave, you're in the thick of it. it right away, it's an immediate threat. You got, you know, four of those uh, those uh, spheroids dropping enemies mm. at you. And, like, you know, if you don't deal with those right away, it's going to spiral out of control very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the brain waves every five waves. Mm. Uh, you know, the, every ninth wave, you've got this mob of, like, robots that, you know, the grunts in the game, those those red robots. That, yep. It's just a swarm of them coming after you, and you have to know how to get out of that situation quickly. Otherwise, you're done. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, that game definitely deserves so, a spot on the top ten. Well, sorry, so that's one game at least that... You have we have a mutual agreement. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, that's good. Yeah. How about you? Um, What's next on your list? The next game that I wanted to include uh, was Yars Revenge for mm-hmm. the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Um, this game came out in nineteen eighty two, and it's just one of my favorite games for the Atari. Wow. I mean, I think it still holds up as a very playable game. And has a great character to it, too. I mean, character in the sense of, um, you know, you play the game and you, you, from the sound of it and the look of it, you, you know what game you're playing right away. Um, now, I, I know this game started as uh, kind of a, a project to adapt the arcade game Star Castle to the Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. It has that same concept where you have an enemy in the center and you a bunch of walls protecting it and you're trying to wear it down so that you can hit the target in the middle and there's other things flying around to try to stop you from doing that um, but it kind of took its own direction I mean they, they changed it little by little because of limitations of the hardware they felt that Star Castle couldn't be done the same way but I think it was a change for the better because now we've got a unique game that you can't find anywhere else mm-hmm. um, and just like you mentioned with Robotron, it's got a unique sounds to it. The sounds are great. Love yeah. the sounds of it. Love the the kind of the the firing sounds and the explosions and everything else. It it really um it's it's kind of insane. Um, I understand this game also has an Easter egg in it. It does. Yeah, I I tried so many times to tr- to trigger that Easter egg and I could never do it. But, um, yeah, the programmer put his initials in there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. But you had to do something. So you had to, like, peck away at the wall. So you were pecking away at this wall to get to the, the boss, because the boss is shielded. Mm-hmm. And as you're pecking away, the uh, you have to time it where your mega cannon thing that, right. that you shoot has to shoot at the same time the boss turns into the uh, spinning fireball, right? The Zorlon cannon. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, the Zorlon cannon. Right, and the the boss is the Kotile. Oh, okay. And it has to become a swirl, and you know, uh, you have to, you have to I, fire I it just corrected. the right way. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I never knew any of that. I mean, they kind of hinted at it in the instruction booklet. But they have to be flying at the same time, right? Does it have to be in the asteroid field belt thing in the, in the center? The, yeah, I'm not really sure. I never got or, it to right. work right. So. I know you can't just like, yeah, it has to be. In, I know it has to be in the air it has somewhere. To be specifically timed, yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I think it's just a neat game. I, I always kind of liked it. So if I'm going to play Atari, that's going to be one of my excellent choice. One of my my definite picks. Mm-hmm. Cool. What's your next game? My next game is. Should I go with an oldie? It's whichever one. All right, I'll, I'll go with a more modern game, uh, Portal for Xbox 
360. Portal. Hmm. Yeah. And I say Xbox because I am not a computer gamer. Well, that's the one you played, right? Yeah, so that was my first... Yeah, I played it on PC. Yeah, you played on PC? Yeah, yeah that's, that's where I ended up playing it. So I think I have it on the orange box. That's why I picked mm-hmm. it up. And I just love that game. I mean, I like puzzle games to begin with, and I think it's just it's a great combination of... Uh, you know, puzzle solving and skill, right? And humor, the dialogue in it. It's not a lot of dialogue, but anything that's there is very well written. Uh, the voices are amazing. Mm-hmm. The, the I forget who what her name is. Who does the voices? Fantastic. I've seen videos about um, how they put it together. How they assembled that style of Glados, right? The unique voice. Yeah. It's it's definitely a cool game. It's I mean, cool. I mean, it's it's you know first person shooter uh, kind of perspective, but you're not actually shooting or you don't have weapons. You're just positioning things in such a way to unravel the puzzles of the different rooms that you you go through. Yeah. And um, I I had to power through uh, both games. And you had to. Well, <laughs> once I started playing the first one, I'm like, well, first game is great, and it was fairly short. From what I remember. Yeah, they did release an expansion pack later on mm-hmm. to edit a couple extra levels. But yeah, it's fairly short. I and mean, you could probably go through it in two days, maybe. Yeah. If, you, if you're good. And I just had to keep going and, and, and went straight into Portal 2. Didn't want to break the... Yeah, and Portal 2 is good also. Didn't want to break my, my uh, momentum. My only that. issue with Portal 2 is... GLaDOS does not have a larger mm-hmm. of a role in that game. Right. And I like, I just liked her voice and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to play one, I would definitely start with one and then move on to two. Just because it all kind of ties together. Right. Yeah. But they're both great games. Too. So, you, you, so you really like GLaDOS's voice? I, I do. I think it's hysterical and <laughs> I love how it sounds. I love that robotic, like human uh-huh. sound. Interesting. If you could talk as Glados for a day, would you? Would you be? Would you do it? I sort of sound. That's how I talk normally. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing about not funny, but I before I even played Portal, mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was because it was just on PC for for the longest time. And I just remember, like on I, IGN, I used to see the little ads for it, the little like um, the little outline of the guy like walking. That's kind of like the icon of the game. Yeah. So, like, sort of like, you know, the little warning. Like, post, like passing through the portal. Right, that yeah. That symbol, right. So, I didn't know what it was, and I, I know there was a lot of buzz about it online that people said it was a good game. So, I looked up the ending for it, because people were like, oh, you have to check out GLaDOS. Like, this is, uh-huh. you know, it's so cool. And I looked up the ending, and I watched the ending, and I was just blown away at how, how cool it was. Like, that final boss scene where mm-hmm. you fight GLaDOS, and her voice and stuff. And I watched it over and over, and I was like... This is so cool, you know? But now I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know if I want to play the game because I already saw the ending, you know? It's kind of ruins it. But uh, when I got the orange box, I ended up starting asking, like, let me give it a try. You know, it was it was free and everything in the game. So I played it, and it did not matter that I knew the ending and had to beat it and play through it. Right. The, the level design, everything was great. Yeah, because in the end, it's basically a puzzler in, in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um so yeah, I guess the, the the joy of the game comes from the mechanics of working out how to get through each each area, and you know the the story is nice window dressing, but it's not the reason you're playing. Yeah, that's how that's, a, that's the impression it left on me. 
Yeah, great. And so you bought the orange box for a different game? There was a there was another reason. I think you it was. It? I didn't buy it. Actually, it was a gift. Uh huh. And I think it was because I showed interest in Portal, mm-hmm. and I think that's what it was. Gotcha. That was um, I think two thousand seven. Yeah. Yeah, because there were a bunch of good games in there too, but uh, Portal was kind of. Um, <laughs> it was a nice a nice bonus to to everything else that was in there. Yeah, Half-Life 2, which is another game I never played before, so that was another good one that mm-hmm. was on that. And I never finished it all the way through, but I did play through some of that. I, pretty much everything in there is worth worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, so what's next on your list? Um, my list is going to have... Uh, so we're up to number seven, I think. This is seven now. Uh, sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, that was, well, that was seven for you, right? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, uh, Unreal Tournament. The original Unreal Tournament. From, so the pre-2004 Unreal Tournament? Right. Or? So this is what's known as Unreal Tournament 99 to some. Oh, okay. That's, uh, the original one came out in 1999. Um, I on did PC. play this. Yeah, it came out, it came out for, uh, Dreamcast? I think. Really? And also, I'm not sure if it came out for PS2. Um, it did not, no. Mm-mm. I would have had it on PS2. Well, for me, on PC, it, this was kind of my first my first taste of online shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out at just the right time when uh, broadband internet was getting more common. <laughs> And Can right, believe that? right, well, you know, there was a time when it's everybody crazy. was on dial-up. Um and right when I first got my DSL connection at home, I had, um, I had, I think I had 1.5 megabit up, uh, download speed. <laughs> and, uh, which I guess was kind of a lot even then. There are people who that's all they have right now. <laughs> Maybe. It's not too far-fetched. Maybe true. Um, but, you know, for, for a game of that type, I mean, for me to have uh, a 35 millisecond ping time, um, made all the difference for me and being able to, to play the game, um, you know, even against other people who had maybe even cable modems or something. I mean, because kind of back then New York city was pretty slow to get broadband internet. Yeah. I think that's, when, when was that? 1999? That's when I got it. I think yeah, I got broadband around that time too. Yeah. 2000 maybe. Um, there weren't a lot of options. I mean, cable, even cable TV, you know, you were kind of stuck with whoever your provider was. You couldn't really choose. Um, but at least with DSL, you could you, could, you had the choice. You, you could either go with the phone company service or you can go with a third party. Um, that's what I was on. I was on some third party, you know, uh, provider at the time. Uh, but the game just had a mix of everything. You know, you had your base, basic deathmatch modes, um, capture the flag, also very popular. Mm-hmm. Where you have a teams that are trying to, you know, capture the enemies, get into the enemy's base, and then grab their flag and run it back to your base. Um, there were other modes. I think uh, there was one mode called, called Assault. And it was a little more, I'm not going to say story-based, but there was more of an objective. There were, there were, it was a multi-stage obje- objective mm-hmm. where you had, to, you had one side that was defending a base, and then the other side um, had to get into the base, but you had to do a series of of tasks to be able to knock down the defenses such that you could actually invade. And I think one of them was you had to get into the base, 
you know, like activate some generators and then like fire like the cannon that was in the base. And then if you do that, then then you won or something. And the other team was trying to stop you. Um, and you know, just the the modes mixed with the the weapons mix of the game also. The weapons were good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, every every weapon had a primary mode and like kind of a secondary mode. So, for example, you had uh, the flak cannon, which was kind of their equivalent of the shotgun. So, primary fire was like just a spray of particles, and then secondary was like uh, like a grenade type of effect where you could just lob a grenade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shock rifle was like another favorite, mm. where it was like a uh, short, like a quick fire beam weapon. But the secondary fire was like this ball of energy that was slower moving. And what was great was you can combine the modes to create new effects. So you could, with the shock rifle, you could you can use the secondary fire to release this ball of energy towards an enemy. And then kind of herd them towards it. And then just as the, when they're close enough, you shoot it with the beam. And the ball explodes near them. And you could take out That's like right. a bunch of enemies in one shot. Um you know, it also had this awesome weapon called the Redeemer, which was a guided missile, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, right? This was fun. So I would find the perfect hiding spot on the mm-hmm. map to fire the Redeemer because you were vulnerable when you were guiding the, the missile. Because, you know, once you fire it, your viewpoint is in the missile. Now, you can just you can use a fire and forget type of mode where you kind of just shoot it and... Hope it flies in the right direction, or you can guide it, which is a lot more fun. Yeah, that was fun. Because I was steering this thing around corners. Yeah, I you was were like, like a sniper, but you can control where yeah. you're shooting. <laughs> it was crazy. And, you know, I, it was almost like a cartoon. I was like flying this missile around, following people into hiding spots, and then just detonating it just at the right time. And, and you got to remember, this is like 1999 mm-hmm. polygon type graphics. Yeah, yeah, fully 3D. So it was a little crude. You know, yeah, not, low, yeah, pretty pretty low poly models, pretty, yeah, mm-hmm. but jaggedy edged, loads of fun. I know it got super pixelated when you were doing the in camera view for the missile. Uh yeah, it depends. I remember being maybe it could have just been my setup at the time. Yeah, I mean it was pretty good on PC, so I think it, dep- it depends. I think I had it on my Mac. Uh huh. Um, there was another fun thing in this game was something called the translocator. This was like a teleport disc, basically. You could fling the disc, and when you press the other mouse button, you jump to the location of the disc. Now, you could use this thing to get to places where you normally wouldn't be able to run up to. Um, I would use this thing to climb a cliff and get to the top of the cliff. Because basically what I would do is I would throw it up into the air, and then teleport to that spot, and then keep throwing it up. Hmm. And just use it almost like a ladder Mm -hmm. to climb up to like a ledge that you normally wouldn't be able to get to. And then once I'm up there, I could use, again, I could get switch to the sniper rifle and, you know, have fun with that. Um, but you could also use it as a weapon. Because if you flung it at an enemy and then you teleported into them, mm-hmm. basically that's one way to, to, you know, kill them. I don't remember using that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, that was called a telefrag. Hmm. <laughs> Did it have something that... It- if you shot, like, three guys, you, it'd be, like, a killing spree? Is that where that started? Well, there was a really, like, uh, deep-voiced announcer in the game. There was, was, pretty, right? pretty memorable, okay. yeah. Like, and he Mortal was, Kombat kind of... Very similar style, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was calling out, like, you know, your, when, you had, when you had a good run, he would, he would keep track of how you were doing. And, yeah. Like, uh, 
you know, he'd be like, oh, unstoppable. Yes, you know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like killing spree, you know, things like that. That was fun, uh-huh. Yeah, it was, it was, it added a lot of, um, it made it feel like almost like a game show. Like yeah. you were in like Running Man or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so, I don't know. Not to mention, like, like I said previously with Doom, this game had tons of mods and custom maps and user-created, you know, content. Uh, people ran their own servers. This wasn't the kind of thing where, you know, nowadays, a lot of, a lot of, um, shooters that, you know, the, the servers are hosted by the company that, that don't put the game out. This one, anybody who owns a copy of the game can be a server. And, you know, if you, you know, it used to be like through GameSpy or something, you would, your server would be listed among thousands of other servers and you could just jump into a game, wait for other people to join and, you know, mm-hmm. go to town and you could customize the server to run any way you liked. You could set the rules a certain way. You can ha- include certain mods. Um, the mods would even get downloaded, you know, automatically to anybody who joined the really? game. Yeah. So if you joined a server that required a certain set of mods, your 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 client would download the mods first, and then you'd be able to join the game. Mm-hmm. And um, I think also because of that, because the players were able to run their own servers, um, that introduced the need for. Uh, what they call like punk buster technology or anti-cheat uh, technology. Yeah. Yeah. To make sure that, you know, the game was still kept fair, that people weren't using aim bots or something else like that, that, you know, you wouldn't have to actually have the skill to compete. You could just click and, you know, the game would aim for you or something like that. Uh, definitely they devise systems to keep the game as fair as possible. So that's going to be my, my, Favorite first-person shooter series. It spawned several sequels, but I think Interesting the, that the, the original holds a certain place. That for me. Pick, you picked that one over so many others that people would probably consider classics. Yeah, I mean, at the time, Quake Three Arena was the, the main competitor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was a big fan of its software stuff, but. Out of nowhere, <laughs> Unreal Tournament swept it away from me. Now, Unreal Tournament was different from Unreal, right? Wasn't there an Unreal that came out after? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that was a series of, of first-person shooters that came before that. Okay. Um, but Unreal Tournament was kind of their, their arena. Arena style. Arena-based yeah. game, yeah. Okay. Um, you could see that. You could see the similarities. No, because I wasn't a PC gamer at much at the time. I, I just remember what I've read and seen boxes, so... I just sort of remember there being a, an, a, an Unreal, and that was considered like, oh, the first game you can shoot in all directions, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, you didn't lock on left and right. That could be. I don't know. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, you know, that was by Epic Games, which I guess was... Unreal? Yeah. Yeah. Is it still Epic, or... Uh, they own it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's there. They're going back to it. There's going to be, uh, it's going to be a revival. Now, is it possible for Unreal to use the Unreal Engine? It does. <laughs> Safe to say that it does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So, what's your next All game? All right. So, my next game. Let's get serious. This is no joke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're laughing. I just said it's no joke. <laughs> my next game stars a very daring person called Dirk. And... <laughs> <laughs> it is the Dragon's Lair. I think it's just Dragon's Lair. It's not the Dragon's Lair. Uh-huh. Dragon's Lair. So this is a cartoon, full motion video style, um, I guess you would call sort of... It's kind of like the, the original choose-your-own-adventure-style um, quick-time event mm-hmm. game. Yeah. 
A classic by the animator Don Bluth, who was, uh, he did the Secret of Nymph, I think, cartoon that was Mm. in theaters. And he also did Dragon's Lair. He did Space Ace. He did a whole series, Dragon's Lair 2, of these quick time event style games where you're watching a cartoon and you would certain key points in the cartoon, you would have to make a choice. It's either mm-hmm. going to be up, down, left, right, or the sword button. Yeah. And it's one choice. And if you get the choice wrong, you die. If you get it right, you move up to the next, you know, he the cartoon keeps going. So I, I was, I, when I was little, I mean, this game came out in like 1983, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was earlier than that, but you're talking about 1983, a year where... The other games in the arcade were, like, Hubert and Donkey Kong Jr. So when you go from um, Burger Time, you know, when you game games like that, and then you see Dragon's Lair, it's like, yep. holy cow, this game looks like it's 100 years into the future. Like, yeah, I mean, you could think of this almost like one of the first FMV games, right? It sort of was, yeah. Although this wasn't digital video, this was being played off of an analog laser disc. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, when I was that age, I maybe didn't quite understand mm-hmm. that technology behind it, but there was actually a Laserdisc in the cabinet at a time right. where, you know, we didn't even have CD players back then. Right. Like the this average consumer. That. Yeah. Sure. So we we had, maybe, if you were lucky, you had a VCR at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. There were consumer, like, video disc players. Um, but they, they weren't really common i mean not, i didn't even not, not very common unless at all. you had money you no they have. were they were expensive for yeah i mean definitely but it was still the best way to watch a movie at home at the time this yeah. is well before dvd sure yeah um you know give you the best the best quality picture so to have a game that looked this good mm-hmm. is yeah, a little, you're talking about like i shouldn't say cd quality audio but it was you know audio that you would get on a um Sort of a laser disc, right? Yeah, so almost. So it was, sequ- it's not so, quite CD so quality, full voice, full orchestra, orchestral music. Yeah, like, there's no limit on real sound effects. Mm-hmm. Not like video game synthesized right, sound effects. Right, right, Not even digitized sound effects, right? Because it was part of the soundtrack of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, so this was this was almost like this was theater quality animation being used as the basis for a game. Exactly, and yeah. you know, based on your actions, you would get a different scene. In the game, whether you you, you either got to continue or played like an appropriate death scene, if you failed to do it correctly, yes, because <laughs> there were multiple death scenes depending on where multiple. in the game you were. <laughs> a lot of it was trial and error because mm-hmm. I mean, very often as you're playing, it would flash the direction you You'd should get go. some kind of hint, a hint, yeah. And sometimes there wasn't, but uh, you so you would have to kind of decide, and you have a split second to decide what what your move is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, and another weird thing about that game is it kept score, uh-huh. which really, if you played a lot of the home versions, you didn't experience the whole score aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. But in the arcade, there was. So I, I don't know how that worked exactly, but I think the more you played on a single one game, it kept your, you know, that's how you built your score up. If you, if you continued, I don't believe the score, I think it reset. Okay. I, I could be wrong, but... Um, that's that's. I mean, I kind of chose it just because of I love the cartoon, I love the style, I love the animation. Right. Gameplay, like nowadays, maybe doesn't quite hold up that well. I mean, well, it's pretty much a memorization. Kind it of is. A thing. A, it's very memorization. The novelty of it is sort of worn off. Mm-hmm. I still think it's an experience. Like when I, I I own Dragon's Lair in so many formats. Right. 
And I just put it on just to watch the cartoon, basically. <laughs> Maybe for nostalgic reasons. Or it's, it's a great property. I the mean, character is funny. He's goofy. Yeah. You know, the girl's such a stereotype. It's hysterical. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's good. <laughs> right. You have to save the princess from, from, from the dragon. From the dragon, yeah. Uh, so it's a classic fantasy uh, premise mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for a game. Um, I I like I like the I like Space Ace too. I like the the game that came after that. Space Ace was good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of lump all those games together because they're all so similar. Right. Yeah. More or less the same mechanics. Um, Time Gal, Road Avenger. I, I was really uh, I was not particularly good at any of those type of games. <laughs> Me neither. Well, that's the thing. When I, when I was that age, I mean, I was pretty young, and it was fifty cents mm-hmm. in, in my local arcades. So, you know, I was lucky to even get a quarter together when I would go to an arcade. You know, I had to, like, look around for change. Yeah, I don't know. Why, why were those games more expensive? I don't know. I guess, I guess they, they were they pricier figured, machines? Maybe. Hmm. And, you know, and, and so I, when I did have the money, I would put 50 cents in, and I was dead in, in under two minutes because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't <laughs> yeah. understand. And I couldn't remember the moves. So it, I, would, I would just watch people play most of the time. Like, people were older than me. Right. It's really invest in the game to get good at it. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up getting a magazine that had a walkthrough on the game. And I was like, oh, okay. So it used to say, like, how to do some of the moves, like how to get past the fire pit and things like that. And I would go to the arcade and I'd put the quarters in and I still couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It was. So after all these years, are you, are you any better at the game? I'm slightly better. <laughs> Not much better. Okay. I have beaten it once. I don't know if I've done it multiple times. Using a walkthrough or just on your own? No, on my own. Good. Continuing many, many times. Uh-huh. All right, well, whatever it takes. Uh-huh. <laughs> a late finish is better than no finish. I, I don't find it that fun, though, to play through it. I'd rather just watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or watch someone else play it. Yeah, there is some because I mean I've I've watched reels of just the animation playing, mm-hmm. and it's it's not quite as much fun as seeing someone do it. Someone who knows what how to play it properly, and um, for some reason, just just that anticipation of they might do it wrong. Yes, is uh-huh. is kind of adds an element of suspense to it. It is true, but it's cool. It's cool to watch. Yeah, it holds up for me mm-hmm. as a, as a top ten game. Cool. Solid pick. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear your solid pick. Uh, well, I don't know how many people are going to agree with me, but... Mm, this, I'm sure there's one, <laughs> one person. There's got to be one person. Well, I mean, this is um, this ranks pretty highly for me because it's, it's, it's a game that left an impression on me very early on. Um, so I'm picking uh, Star Raiders for the Atari 8-bit computers. What? Um, I've never so that it. means the Atari 400, the Atari 800, the 800XL, the 600XL, whatever you had at that time. Was it on 5200? Uh, there was a version for the 5200. Really? Yeah. Um, um, is it now? I, I don't. If I don't want to interrupt you already, mm-hmm. but was is it based on the Atari 2600 version? Uh, no, as far okay. as I know. So that one I, I did have that one. Yeah, as far as I know, those came later. Star Raiders for the Atari computers came out in 1979. Um, no way, really? That, yeah. That far back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, it was basically a game that put you on the bridge of a starship, right? So mm-hmm. if you're a Star Trek geek at the time, if you love the idea of being on a ship and exploring space um, and fighting enemies, uh, this was the game for you. 
Uh, <laughs> this was basically the game that sold the Atari computer for me. When I saw this game, I had a, I had a 2600 at the time, and I said, all right, so if I get this machine, I get this awesome game where I can warp through hyperspace and, you know, fight enemy uh, ships and prevent them from blowing up my starbase. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, at the time, it had um, enemies that looked a lot like the, you know, the popular sci-fi shows and movies of the time. So you had ships in it that looked like they might have been from Star Trek or from Star Wars or from Battlestar Galactica. I mean, the enemies were called Zylons in the game. <laughs> Not to be confused with Cylons from yeah, Battlestar okay, Galactica. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, it was just a very uh, similar kind of vibe. It took all those uh, popular um, science fiction uh, series of the time and kind of, you know, and in a very unofficial way. I mean, this was not a sanctioned game or, brand, you know, a branded game of any kind. Yeah, it was just for, you know, the Atari back then. Um, so, you know, it had all those those type of tropes. Uh, shooting enemy fighters, uh, docking with your star base to refuel. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in a 3D sort of, you know, cockpit view. Uh, so not many other games gave you that back then. Everything else was usually top-down, very 2D looking. Um, this was pretty unique in that regard. So, uh, you know, if you did well, you know, you got you got some kind of a fancy rank at the end of the game. If you did poorly, um, you were like a garbage scow captain or something. Mm-hmm. That's that's, what, that's that's the bad rank that the game gave you if you perform poorly, like if your base got blown up or something. Um, believe it or not, all that fit into an 8K ROM cartridge. Wow. Yeah. Was it on XE also? Uh, well, I mean, you kind of need... It was on any computer that was part of the 8-bit series. So mm-hmm. the 65XE, 130XE, those could play that too. I don't know if you could really play it on the XE game system. That was the... The XE console right, yes. that Atari came out with afterwards, because mm-hmm. um, you kind of needed a keyboard to play a lot of the, you know, to execute a lot of the commands. Um, but on the 5200, you know, you had you played with the keypad. That's that's kind of one of the games that you actually need a keypad for. And then, yeah, I was just looking. I'm looking online at photos of it. Even the Atari 2600 version had used, the keypad. Yeah. Used the keypad controller, yeah, because you know you had things like, uh, you know, bringing up the space, the the you know the space chart, the map, so you could select oh, right. which mm-hmm. sector you can warp to. Um, you had hyperspace in the game. You had, you know, um, like a couple of other different commands, I think. Um, but, you know, it was a little complicated at first, but you got used to it pretty quickly. That was an unpredictable choice. I did not see that one coming. Really? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, so what's your next choice, then? My next may be just as unpredictable. Okay. It is Virtual Pro Wrestling for the N64. Wow, I'm blown away. Now, wait a minute. This didn't come out in the U.S., the, did it? No, it's the first import game of on my list. Huh. Never available, so you're probably wondering, why the hell, number one, are you playing a wrestling game? Number two, a wrestling game from Japan. <laughs> And I have no answer for you, I mean, other than the fact that... Because certainly... Okay, so fine. I mean, you're a wrestling fan. There's no, there's no, I, I do enjoy wrestling. There's no question yeah, about that. I've been watching that. it since the 80s. Yeah. But, but a Japanese wrestling game, it's not going to have any of the characters... Not. Or any of the, the pro wrestlers in the U.S. that you know of. So you're going into this game kind of blind. So not only does it not have any 
licensed characters, to my knowledge, anyway. But I would never know because the whole game is in Japanese and every moveset is all in Japanese language. Uh-huh. And on top of that... Which you're a fluent speaker. Oh, yeah, sure. I speak it, like, as well as I do my English. So, yeah, so it, not only is it all in Japanese, but it's Japanese writing. And it has the most moves in any wrestling game mm-hmm. of that era. So you're talking about um, probably, like, 50 moves per character. Wow. That many. It depends on the guy, yeah. Is that is that what appealed to you about it? Is that kind of one well, of the reasons you wanted yeah. to get into it? And, and you can actually look at a move list for each character, and mm-hmm. it's all in Japanese. So if you wanted <laughs> to, like, read... Because I think you were able to, like, re-change around, like, the moves or, um, like, give a guy a different finisher or something. It would be in, you know, kanji mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. <laughs> what language would be? <laughs> well, kanji is the writing. Okay. The fancy characters. Yeah, it's some kind of mm-hmm. non-English, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That's the important part for you. Yeah, so how did I even get into it? I don't know. how. I, I, I used to follow, I think this was back in, when was the N64? Is that in the 90s? 96. Yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. So I, I used to still browse the news groups. And there was a lot of buzz about this game on the news groups mm-hmm. because there was a game on PlayStation called WCW, WCW versus the World, which is also I think from the same programmer. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of buzz on the wrestling kind of like forums on on news groups, like hey, if you like this game, you got to check out this one. It's really good. So, and then there was one on PlayStation. I think was also um, kind of it was. I think that was on PlayStation, yeah. So uh, N64 came out, and people were saying, like, don't bother with the American releases. Get the Japanese one, because it has more characters. It has more moves. You know, the American ones were edited, American versions of the game. So the nice thing about this virtual pro wrestling game is it actually has a lot of the American wrestlers in it already. And they might be called, like, Hulk Hogan and... You know, Scott Hall, wherever they were back then. Uh-huh. But because it was in Japanese, like, I would have never known the names. But you were able to um, edit characters and... So it did have that feature. It that, did. That create your own wrestler. I'm pretty sure it did. I haven't uh-huh. played it in a while because I don't have it in 64 anymore. But I do remember spending a long time with it. And also downloading, as people had this game, they used to create, uh, like, translators. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, um, sort of like FAQs for the game. And it would be the Japanese translations. And I used to print that out from the news groups. And that's how I learned a lot of the moves in the game. Like, it would say, you know, up, upright and, you know, A would do this move. And that's how I learned how to play the game. Mm. And I used to take my own notes, too. And I used to... <laughs> I made a, a very weak attempt at learning Japanese. <laughs> wow, you're like a, you're like a almost like the football coach that sits there and yeah, creates yeah. The, the plays and gets really into deep analysis. So part of the reason why this game is so great is not only the sheer amount of wrestling characters and it's wrestling characters from WWE, WW, um, WCW, also New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's all around the world. All these like like real like. Right. And so you're having these fantasy matches of, like, Sabu from ECW fighting, um, you know, Hollywood Hogan. And then you can have, um, who was big at the time, maybe, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus, uh, you know, 
Ken Shamrock in you know from Japan and his Japan days or, or uh, um, I'm trying to think of some of the names like the Great Muda or someone like that like mm-hmm. just these matches that you couldn't even fathom like could exist in a video game form. Now did like through playing this game did it spark any interest in 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 Japanese league wrestling or like like uh, the real thing? Yeah, like did you did you get you know I was did you learn not, like I, I yeah I guess you could say in a way it kind of did actually mm-hmm. because. I sort of familiarized myself with a lot of those names, and I mean, I didn't know the names. I had to do the research and find out. Oh, this guy, you know, who's yeah, this fat yeah, guy with these tattoos? Like, you know, I mean, right? Like, it's not like you can turn on like American TV at the time, right? And just and just see Japanese wrestling anywhere. So it, it did because especially when I used to play as the characters, and you do these move sets, and these these Japanese guys would do like these crazy moves that they wouldn't do in America. So these moves were kept in the game, and I was like, oh my god, this guy, you know, he does this, like, flying powerbomb while he's running. It was, like, awesome. Like, you didn't see that stuff on TV. So I would look up, you know, they didn't have YouTube back then, so it was a little harder to research some of this stuff and see. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I, I sort of did the best I could and learn about a lot of these Japanese wrestlers, and it was cool. Mexican, There was a lot of Mexican wrestlers in it, too. Um, some of those guys actually around that time also were imported into WCW. So you had like Jushin Liger and a lot of these mask guys coming in at that time. And I remember watching, I'm like, Oh, that's the guy from the video game. Like, <laughs> this is so cool. So it was a fun time for wrestling. That, that to me is still like the Holy grail of wrestling games. Like, I don't know. So if nothing ever... since then has ever lived up to that game. Nope. What, what do you me, think that is? What's happened? In, in it's just nothing. Well, I, is that is that developer still around? Do they I still mean, make those games? I mean, they've improved on graphics. You know, the, the features. I guess they've gotten better, but it just doesn't. It also wrestling nowadays doesn't have that same magic as it did back then, where you had like so many organizations, like leagues, competing with each other, and so much talent and. It just doesn't happen anymore. So that's probably some of it, too. Right. But even Japanese games, like, do we know that... There's, like, no more Japanese wrestling. I don't know why, hmm. but I don't see them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Back, back when Virtual Pro Wrestling came out, there were a bunch. And this one developer who made the Virtual Pro Wrestling series, um, Aki, A-K-I, they made uh, you know, a lot of the American releases, too, and they actually went on to make Def Jam Vendetta, which is also another good game in America. Mm-hmm. And Muscle Wrestling, Ultimate Muscle. Not the original NES version. The, right. The N64 version. They're all really good games, but their Japanese versions of their games are always the best. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, so one of the reasons why I liked it so much was because of the movesets were much more involved in the American releases. And the sheer amount of wrestlers. You're talking about, like, 100 wrestlers compared to, you know, the American version of, like, WCW Revenge, which has maybe, like, 40 wrestlers. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So, it was not a cheap game, but it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's my pick. That's what I'm going for it. I am shocked. I must say, I am shocked. I mean, not not that you picked uh, a wrestling game, because I knew you were a fan, but, but that particular one, to stand out among... The huge field of all those games out there, and to go back to the N sixty four, no less, shocking, uh, shocking. So a console which I do not like, <laughs> <laughs> but I like his wrestling game. It's just such a like, catch twenty two. It's like I owned it, and I own. I still actually still have the wrestling games, and I don't own the console. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, at this point, they're, they're, uh, it's memorabilia. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but good stuff. Anyone looking for a good wrestling game? And don't, don't mind a little bit of, of rough polygon graphics. Um, should go back and check that out. Hmm. Should put it on my list. Uh, yeah, you could. Speaking of your list, what's what is your number two? Number two. This uh-huh. is gonna be number one for me. Oh, okay. This is gonna be my final pick. Um, and this better be good. Well, it's a game that that I can't even play anymore. <laughs> Why? Did you lose a hand or something? <laughs> No, this is this Back game. Back before the war. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick um, uh, a City of Heroes for oh, for PC. I see the tear rolling down your eye <laughs> right now. So this is this is a game that was shut down in 2012. It's an MMO. It's an online game. Mm-hmm. So unless there's servers up and running, uh, people can't play this game anymore. And uh, it's a game that I played pretty much since the start. Uh, I didn't get it at launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it first launched in May of 2004, um, and I picked it up sometime in the summer after that, maybe maybe June or July. Uh-huh. Um, now, it's funny because I, you know, while this game was out and I, while I was playing it, I wouldn't have thought of it as my favorite game ever, you know? But I guess just because of the sheer number of hours I've dumped into it, having played this game more or less continuously for about eight, year, eight years... You know, throughout the course of its lifetime, um, I you know probably it's probably just you know consumed more gaming hours than any other game I've played. Uh, and what made it unique, really? I mean, I guess it was uh, you know there's plenty of other MMOs out there. Um, this game came out about six months before World of Warcraft, um, but you know, World of Warcraft, EverQuest. Uh, Age it was of Conan before World of Warcraft. Yeah, same yeah. year, but like you know, about half a year huh. before that. Um, now, obviously, World of Warcraft went on to become a hugely successful game with <laughs> with millions of players. Um, City of Heroes at its height, maybe about two hundred thousand players. Hmm. You know, somewhere around there, maybe when their first major expansion you're, released. You're talking about a, a time where. Online gaming wasn't nearly as big as it is now. Right, right. It was still kind of so developing. It's, it's a pretty hefty number. You know, I mean, there were there were there were definitely MMOs already, the the massively multiplayer uh, RPG type games. Sure. Yeah. Um, this one was unique because this was a superhero themed game, so it wasn't in some fantasy realm or medieval times or something. This was modern day, and you had you know superheroic types that you can create. Uh, of your own design. Mm-hmm. Um, there were certain templates, certain rules you had to follow, but this was a game where you could completely customize your appearance in the game. You had an awesome, awesome costume editor um, where you can go in and design completely design the look of your of your character from top to bottom. You could be male, female, or what they called large. <laughs> what is that? And, and this was like a big bulked up body type that was like it had larger proportions than really? just a normal and that could be male or female uh not at first okay oh all right <laughs> uh yeah because i mean i think uh they tried and it just didn't look right <laughs> but uh, i mean you know typically in other games um what, whatever your character looks like is whatever gear they have equipped and the gear determines uh what you know what some of their abilities are 
like, you know, their armor or whether it's magic, it has some kind of magical effect or something like that. And in this game, your appearance did not determine anything that you could do. I mean, you could have any kind of character you wanted. If you wanted a guy who can throw fireballs, you can do that and he could look like anything you wanted, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but even apart from that, I mean, the game was had new updates every you know, about every four to five months, they would come out with a new issue. This is what they, this is how they, they labeled their, their updates as issues. It's kind of like a comic book issue. Okay. Uh, and each one introduced some new set of features or some new, um, you know, some new adventures to go on or, uh, new character classes you could create, you know, it was, it was really, really wide open. Um, <clears throat> you could, you could become, uh, you could even play as a villain, uh, about a year and a half after the game initially launched, their first major expansion was called City of Villains. And now you can create, you know, a baddie <laughs> to do, you know, uh, unheroic things if you preferred. And that was really a completely second game, basically, that was kind of joined to the main game. So there were things that only villains can do. There were other things that only heroes could do. Um, eventually, they even added a system where you could switch sides you can go from being a hero and then falling from grace and becoming a villain. Or a villain eventually can redeem themselves and become heroic. Um, and, you know, that was pretty interesting in, in, in the context of that game. You know, created a new opportunities to play in ways that you couldn't before. Um, it, was, it had a great player mechanic to it. So, in other words... Um, you know, when people grouped up to play together, you know, your abilities kind of multiplied and helped make things easier. So even if you were a big, t- strong, tough guy, if you had a certain uh, character with you uh, in your group or on your team, um, it could make the enemy weaker so that it's even easier for you to, to, to you know, go through enemies. Um, it, actually, games at that time, like RPGs in particular, MMOs, they had the concept of what they called the Holy Trinity. And the Holy Trinity was basically you had a tough guy up front who was your tank, who, mm-hmm. was, who would take a lot of damage for the team, but he couldn't do that much damage on his own. But his, I, his role was to be the, the meat shield, <laughs> right? Mm. Um, you had the uh, healer type in the back whose job was to keep that tank alive, keep him healed, keep him buffed so that he can continue to survive. And then you had what was considered um, uh, the DPS class, meaning uh, the type that dished out a lot of damage but couldn't take a lot of damage, right? So he was kind of the glass cannon of the group. Uh, The healer also helped keep that guy alive too. So you had this kind of interdependence, which was kind of designed to force people to group up rather than just play the game solo. Okay. You had to sort of count on other uh, teammates of the right type so that you could all work as a group and to stay alive. Um, this game kind of took all that and kind of flipped it on its head and said, you know, certain types are going to be able to solo well. Other types are going to, you know, are going to need to be in a group to really do well. But every character had a primary ability and a secondary ability. And depending on how you chose to combine those, you could, you know, you could sort of be more self-sufficient. But at the same time, even when you do group up, that variety helped to flesh out the group and make you even more effective as a team. So I could go on and on about this game for hours, (laughs) but... (laughs) 
And I know this is not a play style that you're that familiar with. I know nothing about this game other than you told me that you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, unfortunately, it did get shut down eventually. Um, the company that ran it kind of changed gears. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an effort underway at the moment to kind of try to bring the game back. Um, enough of, uh, you know, the game has enough of a following. It would be the original game with, like, everything intact? Um, That's kind of what they've been hinting at. Basically, the game as it existed when it shut down. Hmm. Um, And it would be kind of starting from from scratch because the the database that contains all the information about players and their accounts and, you know, what they had... When they when the game you know was, was shut down back then is not necessarily going to be available. It's going to be kind of hard to get everybody's um, accounts back from two years ago. Uh, but it kind of doesn't matter for a lot of people. They just want to be able to go in and play it again and experience it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there's just so many more features I could talk about, but needless to say, <laughs> this is my top pick. I mean, this is um, a game that I've enjoyed above and beyond any other in in that wow. that genre. Hmm. So there you have it. Interesting choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up some photos of it and info. I, I was actually... I was there the day that it did shut down because um, you had... A, there was some power outages because when the, the storm hit, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It so was you used bad my timing. computer, oddly enough, <laughs> to... <laughs> To check out the, the very last when they were shutting the service down. Yeah, I knew the game was shutting down. Because your uh, computer was out of commission. Yep. And and installing it on a Mac was something that that we had to do for the first time. Uh, that's right. Because I always yeah. played on PC, but there was a Mac client. For some reason, yeah. Someone was <laughs> playing on a Mac, I guess. Um, they wanted to make it available to anybody interested, yeah. so they put out a Mac client for the game. It's, it's crazy that these, and I'm sure there's more of these type of games... That have gone on for so many years, and there's such a big fan base, and I've just never heard of it. Yeah. I don't know how. I guess because I'm not in that PC gamer scene. It's definitely big on PC than it is anywhere else. I feel like now, maybe, I don't know. I feel like I, I've heard of every game now, like even games I don't play, like um, League of Legends. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about that That's game. That's a whole but- world. Yeah, it's like a world I don't know if I even want to know right. anything about, like Dota and stuff like that, but... There's, like, millions of people play that game, and I don't know anything about it. But at least I've heard of it, and City of Heroes, I feel like, kind of just, like, went by me, and... Yep. I don't know. Yeah, it was... It was cool, though. It was, it was never a nice. huge, huge smashing hit, but it was a game that if you discovered it and you started playing it... And ten years is a pretty long time. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been ten years this year. It got cut off at just about eight years. Oh, okay. Um... But, you know, there's there's several successor projects in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who appreciate that style of game and wanted, wanted to see another game of, of its type come out. So there's actually three other projects in the works. Okay. But, you know, bringing back the original game is also something that people would like to see. Well, so it could happen. For your sake, I hope that they bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd love the opportunity to play it again. I don't think I'd play it as fervently as I did when it was still an active game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll definitely support any effort to bring it back. Okay. All right, good. So that's my top ten. All right. And your top ten. Good choices. My top ten. My final one is Sega Genesis 16-bit Streets of Rage Part 3. Wow. 
Part three. Part three. Now I knew you were way into Streets of Rage. You, you know what? I, I'm gonna. I have to double check my list now. Now I'm wondering, did I put part three or part two? <laughs> I'll bet it's. I'll bet it's three. I'm, I'm botching my my top ten list. You're guessing three. I'm betting it is because if that's the one that comes to mind, then I'm pretty sure that's what it you is. Picked. Part three. Mm-hmm. So I think I know why I chose part three, and that was not just because of the music, because I do love the music in part three. Mm-hmm. But every I every th- good game needs good music. Every good game, every good music needs a good game. <laughs> Does it work the other way around? I don't know about that. Oh. So Street Fighter Three. It's uh, I love beat 'em ups, and that to me is the ultimate side-scrolling fighting game. It's not terribly hard, but it's definitely enough challenge to play through without um you know continuing or anything like that. It's a long game. And it's, it's sort of unfortunate that there's no save in the game because it is a little bit tough to play through in one sitting. It takes about two hours, I would say. It has a good variety of characters. The uh, graphics from the Genesis for the time is pretty good. It might seem a little dated now because it's very dark. But um, it has some visual effects, which are pretty cool for the sake of Genesis. The sprites are nice and large. Uh, it's just, it just plays really well. Mm-hmm. It's a good game. Well, I think you find that a lot with some systems that, you know, once the game, once the system's been out for a while, people start to learn how to really unlock the power of the hardware. Yeah, they, they, I think they pushed it a bit, more more so probably on the audio side than the visual side. Like, I think other games probably pushed the graphics better at the time, like um, like Gunstar Heroes or Dynamite Heady. Mm-hmm. They definitely did better use of the Genesis hardware, but... No, I mean, it, it, to me, especially at the time, nothing even came close to that game in, in terms of, like, side-scrolling fighters. But uh, for me, it still holds up. I still can pop that game in and play it any time. It's very arcade-ish, and it's multiplayer. You know, you can bring your friend in and play. So I kind of hope that they make another one <laughs> one day. <laughs> <laughs> Just like your City Heroes game. I want them to bring it back. It could happen. Is it possible? I don't see why not. I don't know if it would be the same. Hmm, well... It would not be the same. Well, Double, Dra- Double Dragon came back. Uh, it did. It's not just like Dragon Double Dragon Neon. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it, that's good, but it's not the same. Well, maybe it's a different... You know, this is a different creative team, so maybe they'll come up with a okay. way that... I'll keep my hopes up. We'll see if Yuzo <laughs> Kashiro is, is busy doing anything. Uh-huh. I see. Well, I, gotta, I gotta give him a call. Hey, how are those FM synth chops going on? You ready to... <laughs> Ready to program some music on Sega Genesis? You feel it's still relevant to bring back the FM soundtrack? Not really. Hmm. For me, it is, yeah. It's part of the flavor. It is. Yeah. Now, back then, you know, I mean, obviously overseas, it was known as Bare Knuckle, the series. Right, yeah, they did change the title of that series. Um, so, I mean, were you aware of it at the time that, that there was another, I was, yeah. That there was a different version of the game? When it first came out, no, but very soon after, maybe like a month or two, I did know, I did hear of Bare Knuckle, and... Um, there are some differences, I think. There are, yeah, they, so they did edit the costume on the girls, mm-hmm. on the American version, because it showed too much skin, I believe. Hmm. Um, there, there are a couple of reasons... And I could be wrong, but uh, another reason was I think they didn't want the guys beating up the women, so they changed some of the... Uh-huh. Right? Okay, that makes sense. So one thing was to take... So the girls didn't look as, like, scantily dressed. So right. they, they colored them, like, a more uh, flat color. 
And I think another reason why they might have changed some of the characters was because they didn't want guys beating up on all the women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Blaze, which is the female character. They changed her from red to silver. I'm not sure why they did that. Uh, might be for some of the same reasons that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had a blatantly homosexual looking character in the game. And I think he was, do you remember what his name is? No. Uh, it's not coming to me now, but so this guy was very flamboyantly gay. He had like uh, leather chaps on. Is this your impression of it or is that the actual? Mm, It's kind of, yeah. (laughs) I mean, no, it's, it's it's obvious to anyone who sees it. Yeah. It's okay. Super obvious. Uh, so they, when they brought it to America, they, they, they felt like that was not... They, that's not the kind of controversy they wanted in mm, in their no. 16-bit games. And they, especially that you're beating up the guy. <laughs> All right. I could see. So, I but could he see was that. a tough guy. I don't know. I, I, did, I played the, the bare-knuckle mm-hmm. version with, with that character in it, and uh, he puts up a fight, despite hmm. you know whatever his sexual preference might be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so they substituted his character for someone else. But I think there's a couple of little changes here and there, but those are the two major ones, I believe. The the bare knuckle, I think, is a harder version as well. Uh-huh. Um, and it has, I think, also uh, maybe some uh, audio... I think it has a, an extra track in the game mm. that is not... Um, it's, it's in the audio sound select menu, but it didn't make it into the stage on the American one. Okay. So this is this wasn't a game that you would import then necessarily. I would have not. I, I could have imported it back then. Yeah, I, I did import a lot of games, but um, it wasn't enough for me to because it was an expensive game too. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't worth like the hundred dollar price tag or whatever it was back then. So so as a side question, how do you deal? How did you deal with um, like uh, running Mega Drive games on your Sega Genesis? Did you have a problem? Or did you have a converter or something? I did have... Well, that was the thing. For so Now, a lot of the early Japanese Mega Drive games, you they worked like natively. If you had an original Sega Genesis, like mm-hmm. the Model 1, it worked fine. Um, you just popped, You just had to enlarge the hole on the, the cartridge slot. It was a different shape. Yeah, because I think the, it had little tabs on the American cartridge uh-huh. to prevent people from importing games and playing games. So all you had, to, so what I just like cut the notches out on the the card slot, and you can put in the Japanese games. But the later versions, you couldn't play on the American consoles without a converter card. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the converter card. So if I bought this game, I had to buy the converter card. Uh, it wasn't until I went to Europe, um, it's I think in 1995, that um, I picked up Mega Man Wily Wars, and I had to buy the card for that, the converter card. Mm-hmm. But at that point, Streets of Rage Three was already kind of old. It was, it's been out a few years, so hmm. it was out of my radar back then. Okay, yeah, I think I remember having a cart a cartridge like that to do the. It same had like kind little dip thing. switches on it, depending yeah. on the game you were playing. Yeah, I remember there was like a little guide on it on how to configure the cartridge. I yeah, think I had uh-huh. like a Mega Key Three or something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I bought it in some shop in London. Cool. Yeah, so that's my top. So I'm going to go through my top ten mm-hmm. for all the people who have great memories. Okay, like myself. So, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, Pac-Man, the original arcade game, Rock Band 3 for the Xbox 360, Legend of Zelda for NES, Double Dragon, the original arcade game, Robotron 2084, arcade game, Portal for Xbox 360, Virtual Pro Wrestling 64 for the N64, 
Dragon's Lair for the arcade and Streets of Rage 3 for Sega Genesis. Very cool. That's mine. Should I read off my list too? If, yeah, you don't have to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm just, uh, just, I don't know. Just, just to copycat just, you. Because, yeah, might as well. Because I know that's what it takes to be cool around here. Uh, I know, it takes a lot. <laughs> the stakes get higher and higher. <clears throat> right. <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna run down my top ten here. Okay. Uh, if we I had started with I have the Beholder for PC, uh, uh, Dig Dug for arcade, um, Katamari Damacy for PS2, uh, the Puzzle Bobble series, mm-hmm. uh, Doom for PC, uh, Yars Revenge for Atari 2600, Unreal Tournament for PC, uh, Star Raiders for the Atari 8-bit computers. Robotron 2084, also for arcade, and City of Heroes for PC. Excellent. So, if anyone agrees or disagrees or has their own set of picks, I think it would be relevant for us to hear about it. Why would they disagree? These are these are well, the best 20 games you can possibly play. Listen, even out of all of these games, we only agree on one of them. I know. <laughs> so, I think people are going to have... A mix of opinions. I'm sure. I'm sure they will. But yeah, send it along. You can send uh, your picks to obbfeedback at gmail.com. Yep. And you can also, if you want to contact us on Facebook, you can. Also, uh, YouTube. We, we have a channel up there now, and we're going to upload some videos. And, uh, I don't know, just search on Google to find us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just send, send along your comments. We'll definitely read them and, and respond. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll, uh, you know, get a dialogue going. Sure. About everyone's favorite games. Love to hear it. Yeah, and that, I think that wraps it up. Make it too long. This is already a long episode. So <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, anyone who actually did make it through this. And um, hopefully inspired people to try some of these games out. Yeah. And until next time, final words? Uh, I think you summed it up perfectly. Okay. Um, (laughs) My final words. Look up. That's all I'm going to say. Until next week. All right, guys. Take care. Bye.